to uh, Matthew chapter 28 and in verse 19 here the Lord is addressing the 11 disciples in verse 16 and we know from 1 Corinthians 12 that they were members of the church that Jesus founded in his own personal ministry. Jesus has died and rose again, and now he's giving instructions to these men who are church leaders to be passed on to the church about what to do after he ascends into heaven. And he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, the first word teach means to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, being identified with the Trinity, being identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And what we're doing is we're focusing on the teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And before we took a break to look at the sayings of Christ from the cross, the seven sayings, we've been in a, a number of lessons looking in the Gospels of the imperative verbs, the commands of the Lord. And he's, uh, he's given numerous of those. There's, there's about... 50 of them that are prominent. <clears throat> and he says that we are to observe those and we're to t teach those. When you think of the commands, it's um, from the Lord. They're not optional. We can't say, do I agree with this or should I really do this? But they're commands from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it's very instructional and it's been very convicting for me to look at these because actually um, Christianity and particularly church membership can become um, mechanized and we kind of have our own set of rules when the Lord has given us some very specific things. and. One of the things we pointed out as we begin this is that he's going to ask us to do some things in these commands that are impossible for us to do in our own strength. He's going to tell us to love our enemies, command us to love our enemies. <laughs> we need some help there. He's going to command us to be perfect. And we need to get it into our minds right away that it's God that works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure, and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And in our own ability, we're not going to be able to do what he commands us. Today, we're about in the, we're, we're going back and, and hooking up to this train, if you will, and uh, we are going to we're about in the middle of the 50 commands, but today we, we note what is said. 
in chapter 15 of Matthew and verse 4. When we were doing this before, what we do is we look at what the command says, just look at study the words and what is, what is being put forth. Then we compare it with other scripture. And then we bring ourselves to a crisis moment. And a crisis moment brings things to a head. Either we're going to do it or we're not going to do it. When in the medical field, in the frontier, when the doctor said we've reached the crisis moment, it would mean that they're either going to get better or they're going to get worse. Well, in every one of these commands, we're going to have to decide what we're going to do with that and how we're going to respond with that. And today, uh, uh, a command that's made me really go back and uh, study more than what's commanded here, but in verse 4, for God commanded, in Matthew 15 and 4, for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. The context of all this is that they were, uh, the Jews were trying to keep their money and not take care of their parents. And the way that they do that, they said, they would say, well, I've dedicated this money to the Lord. They'd have a whole big bank account over here. They had the money to be able to take care of parents that needed help. But they would say, well, I've dedicated that to the Lord. It's Corbin. And um, we can't, we can't uh, take that or touch that because it's dedicated to the Lord. And he's just saying that you've, You've taken your tradition of there in verse 3 and it's caused you to transgress the commandment of the Lord. So what does this word, what does it mean here, honor? What does the honor mean? To show regard for and to, to count as valuable, to esteem highly, to reverence, to show respect to someone, to recognize their worth, uh, and with parents is to recognize their validity and their role and their authority. I was watching uh, the, you know, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? I was watching cops the other day, and they had to go to this home where uh, the mother and the daughter got in a fight, and the mother was uh, holding down the teenage girl, and and uh, the teenage girl was pulling her mother's hair and different things. And amazingly, uh, they arrested the daughter. And the police officer said, listen, not only are we going to arrest you, but you need to know this. Your mom has the right to spank you. And I thought, man, that's, a, that's interesting. I don't know what state it was in. Uh, but it's the, to honor your parents is to recognize that they are an authority in your life. And so he uh, talks about that, and then it kind of brings us to the crisis right here in this verse. He that curseth father and mother, let him die uh, the death. We live in a day when uh, the home is really breaking down, and particularly you see that in, in gangs in the uh, United States, and there's quite a few uh, gangs around, and Quite a few crimes and murders caused by gangs. But I read about the motivation for to become a gang member. What would motivate you to become a gang member? Well, the first 
thing was the desire to be with friends and family who are gang members, that they had a family. They didn't have a family at home, but they found a belonging, some kind of a belonging in, within a gang. And also the gang provided protection. And you think that's exactly, that's exactly what should be in a home, that you would feel a family and that, that you should feel protected in a home. That, that uh, a, a case of uh, belonging. And so uh, <clears throat> those are, uh, are uh, issues that we have even today. It's been around for a long time. There's a shocking story that I read that <laughs> this uh, preacher was going along the way and and this youth gang came out, there's 42 gang members and they began to mock him and similarly they knocked him down and, uh, and ridiculed him and taunted him and saying, go up old bald head. And you'll remember the story in the book of Second Kings that two she bears come out and roughed up every one of those 42. It doesn't make it plain whether they, he, the bears killed him, uh, but they got worked over and, and we live in a day of great turmoil and disrespect for authority and particularly parents. And so I just felt impelled, uh, not, not impelled, <laughs> that's the wrong word. Uh, I just felt impressed to not only talk about parents, uh, children with, toward their parents, but also parents toward their children. And so we're going to look at some of these things. First of all, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, we find the Lord giving us the Ten Commandments. And, and we're just going to um, uh, note some, some uh, key principles um, in in the Bible, but the first thing I want you to know is that is that um, the fifth command is very is a, it's a pivotal it's a pivotal command. The first four commands you'll see here in Exodus twenty. Uh, the first four are, are about the Lord. I am the Lord thy God, verse 2, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any, uh, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is in earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, to them that love him. Uh, verse 7, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep, to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Uh, let me just chase a little rabbit here for a second. This fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath to keep it holy is also says that you should work six days a week.
For in six days the Lord made the earth. And then, and then so the first four, uh, one through four, are man's, man's relationship to God. And then in verse five, I mean the fifth one, verse 12, honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And so the fifth one is, is parent-child relationships. And then the next, next five, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou neighbor's, covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Those, those verses... 6 through 10 is man to man. But the fifth one, as I say, it's pivotal in that if I don't, if I don't learn to honor my parents, I'm not going to honor God. And if I don't learn to honor my parents, I'm not going to honor fellow man. And so the home and the teaching concerning honor thy father and mother is very pivotal in in, uh, in raising of children and having our home with God. So that's the first principle. The second principle, and we're talking about more parents here at first, is that, um, that God wills, God's will for parents Let me see how I worded this. It's God's will for parents is to raise children biblically. We say, well, duh. But our society is not for using the Bible to raise children. Spock, during my time, born in 1950, and even today, we don't find that. If you go to uh, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22, and verse 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. A command from the Lord, and uh, and uh, I'm not going to get on a kick for homeschooling, although I could. But let me tell you that the school does not teach your children that they are to be raised biblically. In fact, they're in, in, in opposition to that. They 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 would would under many times they just undermine parents who want to raise children in a biblical fashion. And then look in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse Ephesians 6 and verse 4 he says and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, that word, uh, nurture, 
It means to uh, correct them. It means it, it, it has the idea of uh, disciplinary action, admonition, nurturing admonition. Admonition has the idea of not only, you know, enforcing rules or enforcing discipline, raising with a, with a paddle, but when it says admonition, to, to admonish with words, both positive and negative. And then when it says bring them up, it has the idea that, we're, that we have the responsibility to bring them up until they're mature, till they're at the age where they can be married, they can be turned loose. And so, you know, <laughs> uh, you think many times, you know, if we just get them up to 10 years old or 12 years old, everything's going to be fine until they turn 13 and 14. <laughs> and then you find out there's still a new set of problems and that our job of, uh, for raising children uh, continue on. The third principle that I would say to you that we need to understand we need to clearly understand the, uh, well, not, we need to understand the nature of a child. My oldest daughter was married uh, uh, over years ago and uh, she has a little girl, and she lives in South Dakota. And she sends pictures, and people who get the post, um, oh, how cute, oh, how sweet, oh, how lovely. And uh, she is a cute little girl. But if you look in Psalms 51, Psalms 51 and verse 5, David says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin, not in the act of sin, but in the birth, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That we have a sin nature. Look over in Psalms 58. And verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. And what we want to say, oh, that's not talking about my child because they're not wicked. No, it's talking about all children. That we're born with a sin nature. And when we begin to deal with our children, we need to understand that behind the rebellion and disobedience and sometimes the first word they say is mama and sometimes the first word they say is dada but sometimes the first word they say is no it's her nature we need to understand that Ephesians 2 says that they were by nature the children of wrath. And so when we're, when we're dealing with children, 
get this, this is, we need to get it out of our head. Oh, my, my child couldn't do that. Oh, yeah, they could. They may not have, but they could do that. That they have a sin nature. That they're condemned already, the Bible says. The Bible says that um, that they need to all come to repentance. The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, not righteousness. Foolishness. And the rod of correction driveth from them. And so your nature, your children's nature, your grandchildren's nature is one of a sinner. They inherited from their Adam and, and that we need to we need to understand that because of that, they're predestined, not by God, but their but their future is is hell unless we intervene. And we need to be involved. We need to be actively involved in training them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It's not the way that they want to go, uh, but the way that they should go. And so, again, in Ephesians, it tells, it says, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, I know that... Um, in my home, uh, my, my wife did the most of the, the biggest share of that. But nevertheless, the, the Bible says, you fathers, that we're responsible. We're responsible to make sure that we're aiding and helping and backing uh, if our wife is doing the majority of it. But we're, we're accountable and we need to reinforce what is being taught in the, in the home. Let me give you just uh, some things that we could um, that you need to do. Look in uh, look in Matthew 22. I don't know if I'm going to get through uh, all of this today. Uh, and I had it designed for what the problem is. If I get through the the parent thing, then the children's thing is so. Um, only a couple of pages. And so if it takes two weeks to do it, uh, count on a big review <laughs> next week. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. We need to teach them the commandments. And here the Lord breaks them down into two. Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so, it's as, as we said here, uh, the two commandments, he's broke down to uh, man's relationship to man, or to God, and then man's relationship to man. And in the middle here, the pivotal verse is to honor your parents. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. 
2 Timothy 3 and 15. Paul's talking to Timothy, uh, rehearsing his background. And that the, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That from a little child, he was, he was given the scripture, he knew the scripture, he knew it made him uh, knowledgeable concerning salvation. Now, one of the things you have to grasp here is that we sometimes we get this idea that, well, they've got really good kids and they can, you know, they can follow the biblical principles and they can teach from a child uh, the scriptures that will make them wise into salvation because they're already ahead of the game, you know. They come from a good Christian home. They come from generations of Christians. It's almost, it's just, it's, it's very much in their, in their home. Uh, this has become not only uh, practical and, and, and real for the day in which they live, but it's also almost uh, cultural with them. This is what they've always been exposed to. But I don't know if you remember, but Paul had to have Timothy circumcised because his father wasn't a Jew. And it doesn't seem like, and it seems like in this case, when it talks about, is, is later on it talks about his mother and his grandmother being involved in making him wise into salvation. It seems like the father is not even involved. And so here's a one-parent family. Here's a mixed cultural family. This Jewish woman should never have married a Gentile. There was problems in the home. Yet one of the greatest uh, preachers that Paul trained was Timothy. And uh, the Word of God works even in difficult situations. We need to teach them to obey. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> it just takes a trip to the grocery store <laughs> to find out that that's not the norm in America. I don't know how many times I've told Susie, man, he needs to be taken outside and his rear end warmed. But you're almost afraid to do that in a public place, aren't you? You need to get a hold of his little, you know, pinch point right here and say, when we get home, you're going to get it. Because <laughs> you're afraid to, you know, you're, you, sometimes you're afraid for, for the way that our society is. But nevertheless, the Bible teaches the children are to obey your parents. And uh, children are not dogs, but I know my dogs, they don't obey unless there's some force behind it. And so it needs to be backed up. Teach them to flee youthful lust. Second Timothy 2.22, flee also youthful lust but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord with a pure heart. 
and teach them to walk in the spirit um, that you're not going to be able to do the things that's required of you until you're born again. Now, um, what if in the home there is, like in Timothy here, we don't know, we assume that Timothy's father was off the scene. Maybe he died. We assume, and it may not be, may not be so, that he was a lost man. But that's neither here nor there. Sometimes we find homes where after the marriage, and maybe even... Uh, they got saved after the marriage, maybe even before the marriage. One is so much in love with the other that they marry a lost person contradicting the Bible. And so what do we do? What's the answer in a home where, where uh, one is lost and one is saved in raising their children? We'll look at here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 12. But to the rest speak I not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and it be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else your children unclean. But now are they holy. We have a principle here that there can be upon the children in a marriage where one's lost and one's saved, a sanctifying presence. Not that they're going to automatically be saved, but the saved partner can have a tremendous influence over their children. And don't give up. You know, don't compromise. Because some, many times it turns the other way. I've seen it through families that come through our church how that, how that the wife has been somewhat faithful to church, but, but all of the children have gone to the world and uh, and it's a it's a thing that takes some special grace of God it's something that we should never get into that we shouldn't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers but sometimes it happens and sometimes it happens after they're married and so uh, It's not an excuse not to raise them up. Now, I want to give uh, three, three tips here in raising children. The first tip is
Well, you are, let's, let's put it this way, looked on as a hero. Go to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17 and verse 6. Children's children are the crown of old men, the grandchildren. And the glory of children are their fathers. I know for me personally, of course I love my mom and my dad. But I know for me personally, when my father died, and that children look at dad in a different light than they look at mom. in all kinds of areas. Susie would be trying to discipline the children and staying on them. And I could come home and say, okay, quit that right now, and it was done. When she'd fought it all day long. Because children see their parents, their father differently. And uh, When that is marred, and let's just be honest, not everybody had the best father in the world. And when that is marred, it leaves some scars that need to be dealt with. And to realize that even though, though my father wasn't what he needed to be, it doesn't reflect upon what my Heavenly Father is. And I can't emphasize this enough. In ancient Oregon where I grew up, they had, they had little, little circles on their blue jeans in the back pocket from Copenhagen cans and skull cans and whatever other kind of chew in the back of there was. And you could see little five-year-old boys with a rope in their hand and a can in their butt because they're being like daddy. They look at their dad as heroes and protectors. And there comes a time, 20 years old, that you realize that your dad is a sinner. But in those times before that 
there's something being portrayed to children of what a real man is. And of course, a study like this will never be done. But maybe one of the things that lays, lays down the, clears the path for homosexuality is that they never had a man in their life that taught them what a real man is. Real men put Christ first. Real men put Christ first. And they'd rather die than compromise. You need to choose your you need to choose the mountain you're going to die on. But it ought to be some kind of mountain that you'd be that you'd die on. Real men allow their children to see them read the Bible. Real men pray. Real men go to church. Real men love their wives. And real men take time for their children. And this passage is outstanding in that the glory of children are their fathers. And so, uh, realize that you're a hero, whether you like it or not. And then, secondly, communicate. Bible says, um, well, Noah Webster said this. Noah Webster was known as the schoolmaster of the nation. And he said, education is useless without the Bible. Containing the Bible are all the necessary rules to direct our conduct. Bible says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so there needs to be some communication and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. How did he know those? By communication. Psalms 119. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With a whole heart I have sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Communicate. Share your testimony, talk of salvation, point out godly and ungodly characters and characteristics. Set and discuss how to handle 
situations that come up in your children's lives and your family biblically. Make case scenarios and talk about how should this be handled. Pray together and read the Bible together. Of course, I'm an old fogey. I was born in the middle of the last century, in 1950. But every meal that we ate, unless we were out picnicking or camping, we sat together as a family around the table. I know people think that's old, old, old. I remember growing up that when people came to our home, and even in my home when I was raising my children, when missionaries came, my children sat at the table wanting to hear the stories, wanting to know what's going on. And today, many homes don't eat together, they don't talk together, and if they're lucky, they play some game on the computer together. Communicate. Communicate, communicate, communicate. We have so many good tools, but it's caused us to be more isolated from the world and from our family. We're isolated from our family. And then, uh, three, <clears throat> love them. That's not always easy. But children need to know that they're loved. Children need to know that mom and dad love each other. And Titus is, says that the older women are to teach the younger women to love their children. And uh, if that's true, then what it's telling us is this, is that love for others is not automatic because <laughs> I love myself the best. Need to learn to love. And you have had children, you know this, you never learned to sacrifice until you had children. You were your own, own little king in your own little kingdom until you had children. And so they need to be loved. The Bible talks about that, uh, well, if you go over to 2 Timothy, and I think we'll probably run out of time here. In 2 Timothy, 
chapter 3, chapter 3 and verse 3. It talks about people in our, well, let's look at verse 2, perilous times, which I believe that we can make a case that we're in. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You know, on the football field, they'll score a touchdown and they'll pound on their own chest and, you know, praise themselves. And Vince Lombardi took one of the guys that did that when he came back to the sidelines and they got a hold of him and he said, act like you've been there before. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, without natural affection. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And later, or earlier, he instructs the older women to teach the younger women. Well, that's in Titus and 2.4, to love their husbands and to love their children. <clears throat> and love includes spanking. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. And so we've not really got into our command, honor thy father and mother, but in a sense we have. Because it has to be taught. And we ought to be parents that are worthy of honor. I was reading just this morning about in the 70s where, where it was a whole different nation and people were talking about how they were raised in the 70s and he said, my mom would feed me in the morning and said, don't come back until the street lights come on as little children. And we wonder why our nation, you know, became such a rebellious nation. As goes the church, goes the home, but on the opposite side, as goes the home, goes the church and the service of the Lord. And so we're talking a little bit about, you know, commandments. And though we don't have the commandment here about parents in this, in this command that we looked at in Matthew, parents have to play a vital role Disrespect needs to be dealt with. Obedience needs to be recognized and praised. And uh, if you've tried to parent, and some most of you have, it's not easy. It takes some sacrifice. It takes some work. But it's well worth it. Now I can shoot the moose and say, boys, go get it. <laughs> no, but it's worth it. Our children are sinners just like we were. But uh, 
what's the alter alternative? Shame, reproach. And I have to come to the end of days and have a rebellious child that dies and goes out in eternity to have to come to the conclusion it would have been better if they'd never been born. But what a privilege the Lord gives us in working with us to raise up a godly generation. We just need to commit ourselves to do that. And you can't go through the motions. The greatest detective for uh, hypocrisy, the greatest detective for fakeness, half-heartedness, is a child. Yeah, okay, yeah, I, I want to do that, we'll go do that, and yeah, I'm really excited about that, and, and then uh, they know he ain't going to do it. <laughs> he has no intention to do it. He's a hypocrite. Someone who acts like a Christian, but it's not a Christian. Some father, children know, children know if you're 100% in it or if you're not. Yeah. And we ought to be 100% in it because the Lord has commanded us to raise up our child in the way that they should go. And the great comfort in all of that is this, is that God can enable us and that God is in the salvaging business. Too many times to mention or want to mention and I don't have the heart to mention that I blew it, I blew it big time. And that can turn out one or two ways. One way is to know that you blew it and you just go on. And another way is to call your children to the table and say, I failed. Please forgive me. And one of the greatest things that I've ever observed in a child is that they're quick to forgive. May God help you to raise your children. And next week, make sure all your children are here because I'll get on to them. All right? You're dismissed.